Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And in today's episode, I wanted to pay tribute to veterans who have served our nation as this is Memorial Day weekend that this episode is airing. So I didn't schedule a guest for today on Sunday. For this episode, I wanted to share stories that I have researched and come across in my many videos that I've made on cemeteries around Battle Creek. And I've always tried to include stories of veterans who are buried in these cemeteries and do my best to try to tell their story. And quite a number of them are incredibly amazing. And it's really hard to choose. So what I decided to do today was go through a list of some of the stories that I found very interesting and a very compelling with their level of bravery and amazing service to our country. And so in an effort to honor their memory, we're going to explore some of the stories of our fallen heroes. So come along and join me. I have done YouTube videos on a variety of cemeteries around Southwest Michigan. I started that project two years ago when I made my first video in a cemetery at Oak Hill Cemetery. And I've done more videos on Oak Hill Cemetery than any other ones. But I have also branched out and done videos on a lot of the surrounding cemeteries in the Battle Creek area, I've also ventured down into St. Joseph, as well as over in Albion and Marshall, to tell stories of people that are buried there. And quite often, I include stories of people that have served our country. So today, I decided to select some stories that I thought you would like to hear on Memorial Day weekend. So I'm going to go through a list of stories of men who served our country. I'm going to begin with Oak Hill Cemetery. William Swanston. Now, he's buried at Oak Hill Cemetery. He died in 1996 at the Laurels of Bedford, and he was born in August of 1907 to James and Esther Swanston. And he'd been a resident of the Battle Creek area his entire life. He graduated from Battle Creek Central High School and also attended the University of Michigan with degrees in marine engineering and naval architecture. He served as an aviator in the U.S. Coast Guard, attaining the rank of captain from 1930 to 1959, including service in World War II and the Korean War. He served aboard the cutter Itzika, and he surveyed the Johnston Island for Amelia Earhart's transatlantic flight and commanded air stations on the east and west coasts during World War II. He also flew anti-submarine patrols in the North Atlantic. He was awarded the Air Medal, the American Defense Service Medal, and the American Area Campaign Medal, and the European African Middle Eastern Area Campaign Medal for World War II. And he also received the World War II Victory Medal and a National Defense Service Medal. And he retired from the military in 1959. He passed away at the age of 89 in 1996. So that's quite an interesting story from a man who served in two wars and accomplished quite a bit in service to his country. Another story from Oak Hill Cemetery is that of of Private Irving Farley, and he was the son of Mrs. Marcus M. Farley here in Battle Creek, and he enlisted during World War II 
and went to serve with the 80th Infantry Division and was stationed over in Germany. He had previously been with another unit here in the United States and switched to the 308th Infantry of the 80th Infantry Division so that he could get transferred over to the European theater and serve in Germany. And he wrote his mother that he had just left the front to go to a rest camp where he expected to remain there until Christmas. Two days later, on December 17th, the division was recalled to the front with General Patton's 3rd Army to help stem the Nazi thrust into Belgium. And he was ultimately killed in that engagement, which became known as the Battle of the Belgian Bulge. And he died on December 26, 1944, in action in Europe. Now, another man that a lot of people remember in Battle Creek that were around in the 70s was Arthur J. Middleton. He was a newspaper man for over 30 years, and 26 of those years, he was in Battle Creek. And he passed away in 1971 at the Lila Hospital. He'd spent many years as a newspaper writer following World War II. And when he was in World War II, he served in the U.S. Army and was wounded at the Normandy Beachhead during that invasion. And recuperated in an army hospital in Battle Creek. So he was shot in the invasion of Normandy. Now, I don't know if he was in the first wave at the Normandy beachhead or second, or whether he was on Omaha Beach or one of the other ones. I don't have the details on that. I wasn't able to find that. But he was a veteran of the Normandy invasion. And a lot of people remember him because he was very involved in the community and as a newspaper man for many years here in Battle Creek. Now, another very interesting story from a man that is buried at Oak Hill Cemetery is the story of George Turner. George was actually an engineer on the Manhattan Project during World War II. He was born in 1915 in Battle Creek, and he was a graduate of Battle Creek Central High School, and he received an engineering degree from Michigan Technological University in 1939. And after college, he worked with the sales department of Clark Equipment Company in Chicago until entering the U.S. Army. He served in North Africa and Italy and received a Silver Star for gallantry in action during the Tunisian campaign. And then he was assigned as an experimental engineer on the staff of the Manhattan Project at the Santa Fe, New Mexico Laboratories, where he aided in the perfection and production of the atomic bomb. He was released from service with the rank of major, and he passed away in December of 1993 at his home in Hickory Corners. And then there's a story from Hicks Cemetery that I wanted to include here. Story of Edward Charles Bud Morse. He was born in Battle Creek in August of 1919, and he was a member of the First Baptist Church and a Boy Scout, and he graduated from Battle Creek Central High School in June of 1939. He enlisted in the U.S. Navy in August of 1940, and he trained at the Great Lakes Naval Training Station. He returned home for two weeks following basic training, and then he started his duty in Bremerton, Washington, aboard the ship that he was assigned to, which was the USS Arizona. He had been in service on that vessel less than a year when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. Following Pearl Harbor, his family was eventually notified 
that he was missing in action about two weeks later after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. They were not informed initially as to what ship he was serving on or much about the circumstances of his MIA status at the time. In fact, his death was not officially confirmed until January 31st, 1942, when they were told that he was killed at Pearl Harbor during the strike on the USS Arizona. I know that it took quite a long time for them to identify bodies following that attack. Um, If you've ever seen the movie Midway, that was a pretty good example of the post-Pearl Harbor attack chaos that was going on on the island of Hawaii. The family received a letter that said, After exhaustive search, it has been found impossible to locate your son, Edward Charles Morse, who was a seaman, first-class USN, and he therefore has been officially declared to have lost his life in the service of his country on December 7th, 1941. The Naval Department expresses to you its sincerest sympathy. So there is a headstone marker for Edward Charles Morse at Hicks Cemetery, which is up in Penfield, Michigan, and it's in the family plot, but there are no remains there because the sailors that were killed in the USS Arizona were entombed in the USS Arizona, and they are honored with the USS Arizona Memorial in Hawaii. Edward was 22 years old when he was killed. Now, his father, Edward J. Morse, was working as the county clerk during the time he was notified of his son's death, and he had served in the First World War. And then in August of 1942, he was called into service with the U.S. Navy to serve again during the Second World War. Uh, Another member of the Morse family, Howard Edward Morse, would become a corporal with the U.S. Marine Corps, and he served as a helicopter crew chief in Vietnam. He was killed in the line of duty at just 20 years old and was presented with the Air Medal with Gold Stars, the Purple Heart, military merit, and the cross of gallantry with palms. All three of them have markers at Hicks Cemetery. So to continue with some stories of Vietnam servicemen that came from the Battle Creek area, the first story I want to share with you is that of Hosey Chapel. He was born in Mobile, Alabama in 1943. And then in 1952, he moved with his mother to Battle Creek at the age of nine. His mother described him as a happy-go-lucky boy, and he was just an all-around good boy, in her own words. Before joining the Marine Corps, he divided his time between his mother's home in Battle Creek and his father's home in Indianapolis, Indiana. And he was a young athlete, and he was actually a very good boxer. He was the Golden Gloves champion in Indiana, and he continued his passion for boxing while he was in the Marine Corps. And before going over to Vietnam, he toured with the Marine Corps boxing troop. His mother estimated he was sent over to Vietnam in May of 1965 because that was when he sent his record player home uh, to be stored in his room. From January 28th to February 17th in 1966, The U.S. Marine Corps launched Operation Double Eagle with the Army of the Republic of Vietnam, ARVN, in the Quang Nai province. The 23-year-old Corporal Chapel was among the first forward elements of Marines who made an amphibious landing on the first day of the operation, about 325 miles north of Saigon. Their objective was to seek out and destroy North Vietnamese regular troops and hardcore 
Viet Cong units operating in the Quang Nai province, which was a communist stronghold. Hosey Chapel's unit, the 2nd Battalion of the 5th Marines, was engaged in the action against the enemy after landing about five miles southeast of Thatch True. They landed from craft that was supported by the 7th Fleet. Now, during the assault, Hosey sustained a gunshot wound to his left shoulder, and he later died from his injuries on Sunday, January 30th. His parents were notified by telegram on February 1st, and his body was sent home. On February 8th, 1966, he was buried with full military honors at Oak Hill Cemetery in Battle Creek. Hosey Chapel was the first serviceman from Battle Creek to die in the Vietnam War. Two months later... In March of 1966, Battle Creek saw its second son fall during the Vietnam conflict. Danny Higgs, who was a former Penfield High School student, who was also a standout athlete for three years at the school, in his senior year, he made the all-serial conference baseball team as a catcher and played as a tackle on the Panthers football team. From the age of 13, he had worked in his father's service station part-time for money, so he was not only well-known in his school, but he was also pretty well-known in the community because of his involvement with his father's service station. And he also grew up as an active member of the Boy Scouts. He was a six-foot-tall young man, and Danny weighed 190 pounds when he enlisted in the Marine Corps on March 28, 1965, at the Detroit Recruiting Station. He went overseas following basic training in October of that year and spent four months in Okinawa before arriving in Vietnam in January of 1966. He was with I Company, 3rd Battalion of the 1st Marine Division. He wrote weekly letters home to his parents, and they described overall as his mood of his letters was quite cheerful. He was enjoying his time as a Marine. And in letters, he never offered any opinions as to why he was fighting in Vietnam. He told them his main occupation was hunting VCs and that he was feeling tired. His family said he once gave the impression that he'd had a touch of jungle fever, but he never reported it as he was apprehensive that he would be evacuated to a hospital. So it sounds like he had a touch of malaria. Um, in his final letters, he mentioned to his parents that he had lost 10 pounds since arriving in Vietnam, and he was down to 175 pounds. On March 4, 1966, the Marine Corps launched Operation Utah with the ARVN in the northwest Quang Nai, a mountain city, and this would be Danny's second major action against the Viet Cong. His unit had previously taken part in Operation Double Eagle, the same amphibious landing that Hosey Chapel had taken part in. Operation Utah was the roughest combat to that point in the war, and on the third day of the operation, on a Sunday, PFC Danny Higgs was killed when he was struck by a fragment from an exploding mortar shell. Uh, they think it was an artillery shell or perhaps a mine that was gone off. They don't know exactly what hit him. The officer reporting it was not certain on the source of the shrapnel that killed Danny Higgs. His body was sent home that later that month, and over 500 people filled the Presbyterian Church to honor the fallen hero. He was buried with full military honors at Reese Cemetery on March 15, 1966. He was the first native of Battle Creek to die in the Vietnam War, and when he had enlisted, he had told his pastor that he hoped to return from the war to become a coach at the high school. In October of that same year, his classmates at Penfield High School would gather and present a memorial plaque 
to be displayed at the high school, which bore the inscription, In memory of Danny Higgs, who sacrificed his life in battle, Operation Utah, near the city of Quang Nai, Vietnam, on March 6, 1966. Another Vietnam story from the Battle Creek area was William T. Craig. He was a 1965 graduate of Lakeview High School, where he was a member of the Jets Club, the Spanish Club, and the Chess Club. He attended Michigan State University for two years before entering service with the Army in October of 1967. He attended non-commissioned officer school at Fort McClellan, Alabama, and also Airborne Infantry School at Fort Benning, Georgia, and later advanced training school at Fort Polk, Louisiana. He achieved the rank of sergeant and was assigned along with his unit to Vietnam. He had been in Vietnam since October of 1968, serving with the 101st Airborne Division, 503rd Infantry. He was killed on March 8, 1969, during military operations. He'd been hit with fragments from an exploding booby trap while he was out on patrol. His body was returned home and he was buried with full military honors at Beckley Cemetery, which is off of uh, Beckley Road or very close to Beckley Road in Battle Creek. In July of that year, he was posthumously awarded the Bronze Medal for Heroism and the Purple Heart for Fatal wounds suffered in combat. Sergeant Craig's name was later inscribed on a memorial plaque at Lakeview High School. Another story about a Vietnam veteran from southwest Michigan that was in Battle Creek was Stephen K. Brandenburg, and he was serving with the Marines in Vietnam. He was born in Kokomo, Indiana, and graduated from Marion, Indiana High School. And he frequently spent time in Battle Creek because his mother and sister lived here and he was also a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He was serving as an arc welder with the Welders Division as part of a maintenance company, and he was stationed near the Da Nang Air Force Base. There were not many details available on how he died. He was working near the Da Nang River in a harbor in the Quang Nai province on Monday, August 19, 1968, when he was struck in the forehead with a fragment from a mortar shell. His body was later recovered from the river harbor after the shelling had happened. Now, he was sent home to Battle Creek, and services were held at the Seventh-day Adventist Tabernacle, and he was buried with full military honors at Memorial Park Cemetery. And the final story I'm going to tell you today is that of Thomas Kelly. And he was a graduate of Athens High School and later attended Kellogg Community College. He enlisted in the Army in March of 1966, and he trained at Fort Gordon, Georgia, where he would eventually become a paratrooper stationed with the 101st Airborne Division in Vietnam. By July of 1967, he'd been wounded twice and was on rest and recuperation leave in Hawaii when his parents flew there to visit him. He had been wounded by a hand grenade in November of 1966 and the second time by a bamboo spike in the spring of 1967. He had been awarded the Purple Heart Medal with a oak leaf cluster for the wounds that he'd received in action the very first time he was injured, and he was awarded a second Purple Heart in 1967, but he refused to accept the second one, perhaps fearing it would mean he'd be discharged from his tour of duty. At the time of his parents visiting him, he had a case of malaria and was due to be rotated back to the U.S. in October. His father, who worked with Eaton and Yale and Town in Battle Creek, and his mother, who worked with the Michigan Carton Company, 
had both flown to Hawaii to see him as he'd been overseas for almost a year at that point. On August 27, 1967, he was back on duty in Vietnam, and his platoon was engaged heavily with the Viet Cong force, firing from a well-concealed position in the jungle. One particular machine gun was inflicting heavy casualties on the 101st Airborne Division unit. The following report that I'm going to read you was written by officers who witnessed the events of that day. Thomas completely disregarded his own safety and assaulted the gun position. He placed effective fire on the position, but when he neared it, he fell seriously wounded. Undaunted by his wound and displaying gallantry of the highest magnitude, he crawled forward through the brutal fire until he got close enough to the enemy to throw a grenade which destroyed the emplacement and killed the insurgents. A few minutes later, he was again wounded by a burst of machine gun fire, this time fatally. So that information was taken from an official military citation which was presented to his parents in November of that year. And it all also stated that Thomas Kelly never relented in his task of resisting the enemy by all means available. So a ceremony was held at the Federal Center with his parents and his two sisters when they were presented with his citation, and he was posthumously awarded the Silver Star. After his death in the field, the body was sent back to Battle Creek, first by air to Chicago and then arriving on the Grand Chunk Railroad. Services were held at the First Methodist Church in East Leroy, and he was buried with full military honors at Mather's Cemetery, aside his grandparents and great-grandparents. And if you had had a chance this past summer to visit the Wall That Heals exhibit that came to Battle Creek in July of 2022, you would have found the names of all of those young men on the memorial for Battle Creek, uh, with the exception, I think, of Hosey Chapel, because he was born in Alabama and he didn't show up on the Michigan list. But his name, all of their names were on the wall, and I was able to find all of them. Well, I just wanted to see their names on the wall and uh, take photos of it for my own record, having researched and studied their stories for videos that I had made up to that point. So that's going to conclude today's journey through history, looking at a selection of the many stories of heroes from southwest Michigan area here in the Battle Creek area that served our country. Many of them fell in the line of duty, but many of them also served in tremendous aspects of those conflicts. And on Memorial Day weekend, we honor their memory for those that never came back from service. And so these are a few of the stories of some of our fallen heroes. Not all of them fell in the line of duty, as you may have noted, but I just thought their stories were worthy of telling because they were notable service to the country. And personally, I've had family members that served in the military that are no longer with us. I have a brother-in-law that that died many, many years after serving in Vietnam, which we learned after his death that the cancer that he experienced towards the end of his life was likely caused by his exposure to Agent Orange. And my father passed away two years ago and he had served in World War II in the U.S. Navy. And I think everybody out there in the listening audience probably has a family member who is either currently serving or served in the military or served in a, in a war or knows someone that did. And it's important to remember them on a weekend like this and honor their service. And so if you get a chance, go out on this beautiful Memorial Day weekend and visit some of the cemeteries in your area 
because you'll see that there's a lot of American flags honoring the veterans that are buried out there. And it's quite moving to see the vast number of people that have laid their lives on the line for our country. And it's important to remember their service. So that's going to conclude today's journey through history. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can always find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening.